Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello and Merry Christmas. Well, it's actually Christmas week. Can you believe we're already in week three of a series we started a little over three weeks ago called Holidays? We've been taking a look at really a survival guide for the holidays. Man, we have talked about some incredible things. We talked about the benefits of gratitude in week one. Last week, we talked about how to manage stress. Uh, This week, we're going to dive in and we are going to talk about depression. Uh, We're going to talk about how to overcome depression. I want to personally invite you, if you haven't already, to our Christmas Eve services. They're going to be absolutely incredible this week. I also want to encourage you, if you happen to have missed our last couple messages in this series, man, they have all been good. And we have literally been walking on this journey through really just being emotionally healthier uh, for a new year. And so I want to encourage you to go back. You can download the Vintage Church app. You can uh, watch the messages there and also follow along with your notes. You know, today we're going to talk about how you can thrive through depression. You know, this week I did a Google search on the word depression and it had 300, over 350 million results. Okay. People typed in depression, 357 million. That's one in every 0.71 seconds. If you have your Bible, I want you to open them up to a story we're going to look at today uh, that teaches us how to thrive through depression in 1 Kings chapter 19. Today, we're going to take a look through the life of a man named Elijah who experienced a season of depression after one of his greatest victories at Mount Carmel. Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. Before that, he experienced miracle after miracle for quite some time. But after that big battle with those uh, pagan, uh, pagan idol you know, priests of Baal, he experienced a very, very low point in his life. We pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Now I want to give you a little bit of backstory uh, of what's really going on here. So Ahab is this evil king. He was the 19th consecutive evil, evil king of Israel. And scripture says that he did more evil in his reign in the eyes of God than all of the other 18 evil kings. Now he starts to become a little tired at the end of his reign and he hands the leadership of Israel over to his evil wife, Jezebel. And he pretty much just says, I don't really want to do this anymore. Why don't you take a stab at it? Well, she takes that literally and she is a very, very wicked ruler. This is what she says to the prophet Elijah after this battle at Mount Carmel, where Elijah actually struck down all of the prophets of Baal. She worshiped Baal. It says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now the one of them to which she's referring to are the dead false prophets of Baal. In other words, she says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. You are a dead man. Then scripture says in verse three, and when he saw that he arose, speaking of Elijah and ran for his life. 
And when you look at verse 3 and then you look at all of the wins he had in the win column, his response in verse 3 makes no sense. Elijah had been standing up to wicked rulers for a very, very long time, and yet here he runs for his life. He panics and he runs to a secluded place and hides out in the wilderness. It's in this wilderness he finds himself exhausted and alone, and he also decides that a quick death is preferable to living the rest of his life as a fugitive and prays to God. Look at this. What's what he prays to God in verse four? It's too much, Lord, he prayed. Take away my life. I might as well be dead. You know, for those of you in here that maybe you've never struggled with depression, I know for me personally, I've struggled at moments with debilitating depression. I think sometimes people maybe have never experienced it, don't really understand someone going through it. And I will tell you, there were some prayers that I've prayed in moments of depression that I am so glad God didn't answer. I don't know about you, but looking back, there are moments of desperation where I've cried out to God. I love that God's uh, relational. He He wants to hear our heart. He wants to hear Elijah's heart here, but he has another plan for him. For years, Elijah had seen the faithfulness and power of God firsthand through droughts, battles, miracles, and ministering to others. Listen to this. Elijah had experienced victory after victory, but now he found himself depleted and burned out. Burnt out. This is where some people, again, really misunderstand depression. While depression is often the results of long-term stress, great loss, or unresolved problems, it can also be the byproduct of a very emotional season and can result in physical Burnout, And this is even more important as we look at what's going on in our world today. A lot of us are feeling this, this just overwhelming pressure and burnout and fatigue with everything happening. According to the Mayo Clinic, depression is a medical condition that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. Depression affects how you feel, think, and how you act. Depression can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems where you may even have trouble doing normal day-to-day uh, activities. In other words, it's a scale. You might be uh, slightly depressed to, to, to ma- majorly depressed. It depends on what's going on. Maybe you've recently experienced some difficult challenges, excessive stress, the breakup of a relationship. You know, some depression may also come as a result of poor life management. You're just trying to do too much, too quick, and overassuming too, respons- too many responsibilities. You're not living within healthy boundaries and rhythms. Some depression may come from things that are beyond our control, the loss of a loved one, some tragic abuse or a major storm damaging maybe our house or something in our life. These are other, there are, of course, other traumatic events that can trigger this downward spiral of depression. And there are some common warning signs that may help you see if you're experiencing the beginning stages of depression. Some of those are a sense of hopelessness. Frequent tears, difficulty concentrating and making decisions, excessive irritability, insomnia, lack of marital attraction, lowered libido, lowered activity levels, and an unhealthy desire for isolation. You just always want to be left alone. Today, I want to glean a little bit from the life of Elijah, and I want to, I want to paint how like, you don't have to feel isolated. You don't have to feel like this is something that God doesn't deal with. God does deal with it, and there's some, some things that you can do, but why do we get depressed, and how do we overcome it? I think the first reason we get depressed many times is we simply overdo it. We overdo it. Like Elijah, who for years had gone from one spiritual battle to another, trusting God, praying, battling, trusting, battling again, experiencing victory. And the next thing you know, he's running for his life. You know, geographically, when you see where he ran, he could not have run any further. 
You may be thinking to yourself, why am I so depressed? Some of you parents, you're working a full-time job. You're taking care of kids. You're involved in every activity possible, and you're wondering why you're burned out. You say to yourself, I've got to make sure that I make everyone happy, and I've got to meet everyone's expectation. I'm just going to tell you, living that way will lead to depression and burnout. Here's the challenge. When you go through long, intense seasons of activity, you end up depleting your physical system of serotonin. Now, I'm not a scientist. I hope I get this right. Okay, but serotonin is a chemical like an endorphin, which is natural. It's a natural feel-good hormone. It replenishes during time of rest and fuels you while you're working. And if you continue to drive yourself without replenishing, your store of serotonin gets depleted. And as a substitute, your body replaces serotonin with adrenaline. Now, the problem is, this is important, adrenaline is designed for emergency use only. Meaning that if you constantly rely on your stores of adrenaline, you will burn out sooner on the inside than you can see on the outside. And it can really lead you in depression. Sometimes depression is caused because we overdo it. The next thing that, it, that can cause depression is we isolate, sometimes as a result of overdoing it, but sometimes we're, we're wired that way, or maybe sometimes something difficult drives us into isolation. That's exactly what Elijah did. Look what he did. He abandoned his closest friend and his servant, Elisha. Look at 1 Kings 19.3. He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, farthest place you can run, which belongs to Judah. Look what he says. And left his servant there. I do want to say there are levels of depression. I mentioned this earlier. There are those that are clinically depressed and potentially suicidal. 9.5% of Americans 18 years and older suffer from clinical depression. And I want to just encourage you as your pastor, there are moments where you find yourself slipping where you not only need something spiritual, but you need something physical. I just want to tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with leaning into medicine, with going to a doctor and having a conversation about what you can do to help your depression. For some of you, they may suggest a change in activities. For others, they may suggest, you know what, this is more serious. We need to look at some medication. I just want to make full disclosure. There have been times in my life where I have not been able to turn that corner. And I am so glad that my wife's a physician and that we rightly divide God's word. And there've been times where I've used medicine myself. And so there are times in extreme cases where you may want to consult a physician. One of the reasons we draw, we fall into depression is we overdo it. We isolate, but I think sometimes we can go negative. I think sometimes depression can be the results of our focus. We talked a lot about this in week one. We talked about gratitude. I think the reverse of that is kind of having this entitled attitude and just always seeing the negative. Did you know that can also drive us to depression? This is exactly what this hero, Elijah, did Elijah did in this story. Look what he says in verse four. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. You know, what's interesting here, he was asking, he was answering a question uh, that nobody was asking, right? What's funny, nobody was asking if he was better than his father's, but in his mind, self-pity started to take over. What self-pity does is it always exaggerates. I don't know what it is, but we always exaggerate the bad and minimize the good. I'm never gonna be any good. I'm always gonna be stuck in this life. I'm never gonna get into that school. I'm never, my life's never gonna get any better. I'm never gonna get that promotion. After what I just ate, I'm never gonna fit into those jeans again. Come on, somebody. I say this a lot, listen, what you focus on grows in your life. If you focus on all the negative in your life, it's gonna become the only thing you see, and I'm just gonna tell you, it's gonna grow like a cancer, it's just how it works. 
But if you flip the script and you focus on what's right, guess what? You become more aware of that and it, you, it pulls more of it into your life. So here's what I want to do. I want to pivot a little bit. We've talked a lot about depression, but there's some more in this story about what we can do from the instructions that God gives to Elijah while he's in this deep, dark place of depression. Maybe you're in a place of hopelessness and depression. I believe we have God's prescription for depression here in scripture. The very first part of that prescription is eat and rest. Eat and rest. Elijah lost hope. He's hiding out. He wanted to die. God sends him an angel. And I want you to notice here that angel did not tell him to not be depressed, did not rebuke him. There's no shame. There's no sermon. Look what the angel does in verses five and six. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, look, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, I love this, and lay down again. The scripture saying, eat and rest. You know, doctors will tell you that you need seven to eight hours of sleep every night to replenish your body and to stay healthy. Some of you guys, you're kidding yourself thinking you can go four and five hours and stay on top of the world. It's just not possible. Rest is the number one way that your serotonin levels are actually replenished. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is get proper sleep at night. The most disobeyed commands of God in the world we live in is people don't honor God with Sabbath rest. What we do is we run till we're exhausted and then we have to rest. But what God says is every seven day, every seventh day, rest for 24 hours, sun up to sundown. Every single day, like son, you work six, you rest one. By the way, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? By thou shalt not murder, have any other gods before me, thou shalt not commit adultery, you following me? Don't lie, right? We don't take that command as seriously as we should. Let's go on to read in scripture in verses seven and eight. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. I love that. He went to the mountain of God. Check this out. God's prescription for depression, eat, rest, and go where you experience God. Where is that? The local church. Go get with your spiritual family. Go back to the mountain of God. Replace lies with God's truth. This is the next thing you got to do. One of the purposes of spiritual family is to help you replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. That's why we spend time gathered and scattered together, gathered in services where we're hearing encouraging words and we're being built up in the Lord together, scattered off. We're getting to know each other. We're being known by others. That's so important. Replace lies with God's truth. This is going to speak to some of you, but you need to replace the lies in our head with the truth in God's word. Look what verses nine and 10 say. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, look at this. The word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, this is on the mountain of God. Many of you don't know what God's saying because you're never in his house. You're never with his people. You're never with the family, right? Look what he says. What are you doing here, Elijah? So he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. I, I want to acknowledge here that when God asks a question, he already knows the answer. That's the first thing I want to say. He asks Elijah, what are you doing here? He already knows why Elijah's there. He already knows he's depressed, he's burnt out. He's asking for Elijah to get it out. And here's what Elijah says. Elijah just voices his problem. He verbalizes the lie he was believing. I'm the only one left. And yet when you look back at verse 10 and you review, I have been very zealous for the Lord. That's true. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. True. 
torn down your altars, true, killed your prophets, true. Look at this though. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. False. I am the only one, false. I've been doing all the work, false. I'm the only one who cares, false. I'm the only one who can get it done, false. He assumed more responsibility than he was actually his. And if you read on in this story, God goes on to say, well, Elijah, the reality is there's 7,000 other Israelites still seeking me and praying. What he's saying is, that's a lie, Elijah. You see how the lies work. Lies can be muddled in with the truth. Yeah, there's some bad things going on in your life. Yeah, you know what? There's some negative things happen in your life. But if you're not careful, you can start to, to weave in to the truth of the negativity, right? With lies of the enemy. It's so important. God takes these lies in the story and replaces it with truth. Then he tells us, look at this. I love this, this next prescription. Keep moving forward. Something that a pastor friend said to me for years. He says, listen, when you don't know what to do, go back to what you do know. And you know what I know? If I keep taking steps, I may not get there as fast as some, but I will get where God's called me to go if I don't quit, if I keep taking steps. He tells Elijah, get up and move. Sometimes when we're depressed, I'm gonna be honest with you, we have to avoid excessive introspection. We have to avoid, listen, here's, here's how I would say it. We have to move on from why Lord to what's next Lord. And I really believe a secret to overcoming depression, at least this is my experience. Sure, there's been times I've, medications helped me and, and changing my routine and my schedule to help me. But I'm gonna tell you, more often than not, what, what's held me into depression longer than anything else is sitting and wallowing in the whys to God. And what's helped me snap out of it is what's next. You need to move quickly from why to what's next. Do you need to learn some things? Sure. Are there some reasons? Sure. But you know what? They don't define you. You need to move from why to what's next. To overcome depression after you get rest, after you replace the lies with the truth, we didn't even remember that God has a, design, a divine assignment for us, just like he did for Elijah. Look at verse 15 and 16. The Lord said to Elijah, then the Lord said to him, go, everyone say go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria, Syria, Syria not Syria, Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimishi, over king of Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meloah, you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. In other words, here's what God said to Elijah. Go back and keep doing what prophets do. I love that. He says, you know what? Get back to what you're called to do, anointing kings, right? You're called for my purposes for this time. In other words, keep moving and serving others. One of the best things you can do when you're down and out, when you're low, when you're, when you're just, it's, when everything's turned inward is to turn outward and help someone else. I, I, I can't tell you how many times me helping someone else has actually helped me come out of depression. One of the best things you can do is when you want to isolate, don't. When the lies come in, be surrounded by people who can speak the truth in love to you and walk with you through it. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. I pray right now, Father, for anybody in here that's heavy, laden, Lord God, that just has been struggling with maybe depression or maybe just been struggling with, with just bouts of, of insecurity or fear. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would touch them. I pray, God, we would learn from the example of Elijah, Lord God, and we wouldn't isolate, that we would replace the lies with the truth. And God, we would continue to move forward for your purpose for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you are in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.